0: Hello listeners, Kathy Lawless, Live Story Curator, bringing you the podcast series, How Did I Get Here?, a series of interviews designed for people just starting out in their careers, people in transition or possibly feeling stuck, and giving them access to the stories of people who have been there, done that, so that they might be inspired with some new ideas, or maybe just comforted knowing they are not alone, that everyone starts somewhere, and everyone goes through times of transition and times when they feel stuck. Today, I am excited to be interviewing Philip Aronoff. Hello, Philip.
1: Hello, Kathy. How are you?
0: Doing good. Doing good. And Philip is the chief number cruncher at By the Numbers Bookkeeping and Accounting Firm. And I got introduced to him by a fellow podcaster, so I'm excited to be bringing you his story today. Uh, But but before we get into how did I get here, uh, listeners, as you know, I like to start with the icebreaker questions. So... Philip, if you could uh, share with us where you grew up, uh, how many brothers and sisters you had, where you are in the birth order, and how you think all of that contributed to who you are.
1: So I'm from originally from Southern California. Uh, um, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley in Sherman Oaks, California. So if you hearken back to the 80s, yes, I'm a valley person, you know, the valley girl thing. Um, I grew up in the valley. Um, uh, I have, uh, I'm the youngest of three and I have two older sisters. Uh, and I like to say that when I was growing up, I had three mothers. Um, I didn't have sisters. I had three mothers, um, since I was the youngest of three. Um, mm-hmm. and at a time in my household, there was just me and my dad and there was my mom, my two sisters, my grandmother, and my great aunt in a household. So it was just me and my dad <laughs> nothing and, and all the other women so um you know being the youngest uh you know uh my parents tell me that you know they had two girls and they decided to try one more time to see if they could get a boy and here i was and know.
0: what's the age and, difference
1: uh so my oldest sister i think she's 5 years older than i am and then my middle sister is two or three years older than myself. And then there's me. Ah. Um, and so, you know, being, being the youngest and being the boy, I got away with a lot more than my <laughs> sister's And um, You know, I, I could stay out later. You know, I didn't really have a curfew. You know, I would tell my parents when I, when I was leaving, what time I thought I would be home, but if it was going to be later, all I needed to do was call and say, hey, it's going to be later. Um, so I was, I was able to do a lot more than, than my sisters were. So it was, uh, yeah, that was the benefit of being, not necessarily being the youngest, but being the boy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so yeah, but it was fun. Um, you know, uh, Growing up, I did a lot of different stuff with my dad. Um, we were big sports fans so and and uh actually, I became a huge hockey fan because of my dad. Um, my dad grew up in New York, and so he would see a lot of hockey in new york and we we got an, I got an opportunity when a hockey team came to California came to Los Angeles uh, to be able to go to games with him and I've been a hockey fan now, probably. 45 years. Oh, Um, So I've seen a lot of great hockey in my day. And um, I love I love that. That is something that I got to do with my dad for a very long time until I moved to Colorado.
0: Uh, So do the Avalanche uh, rank among one of your favorite teams or no?
1: Yes. Yes. I'm actually I actually an Avalanche season ticket holder. um, And uh, my I have an 18 year old daughter and she loves hockey. Both my daughters love hockey, but my 18 year old reminds me a lot of me when I was that age, cause she goes and she yells and she screams and she doesn't like it when people are there not rooting for the avalanche. And I, I've joked with her and said, you know, you need to really be careful because, you know, you're going to get me in a fight one of these days with how you are at a game. And she laughs and she, you know, this was before she turned 18. She said, well, you know, dad, if they hit me and I'm under, you know, I'm not 18, we can, you know, we can, uh, we can get them in trouble. And I said, yeah, but that still means I still have to protect you and defend you, whether you're under 18 or not. And so, but it's, it's so much fun to go with her and and to kind of relive that with her, you know, uh, with some of the things that I did with my dad. So it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Very cool. So you carried on a new family tradition. Oh,
1: absolutely, absolutely. very
0: cool. So shifting gears just a little bit um, on the fun meter on a scale of one to five, one being the couch potato and five being the life of the party. Where do you put yourself?
1: Wow, I, uh, I would say probably closer to the life of the party. Um, <laughs> i love to, I love to talk to people and find out what makes them tick and um uh, and, and things like that. Um I'm not, you know, I'm 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 a pretty social person. I think I'm an extrovert. So I love to talk to people, find out what they I mean, I love to find out what they do for a living or, you know, find out about family and kids and all that kind of stuff. So I, I would say probably closer to that five, that
0: life of the party type thing. Okay. So this uh recent times of being staying at home is probably really impacting you. <laughs>
1: Uh yeah, I'm I'm I am not there's not much I'm enjoying about it. And it's become a little bit more difficult over the last few weeks because it's like, you know, I want to get outside and it's even when I go to the groceries, I mean, even when I go to the grocery store, sometimes I'll just strike up a conversation with someone and can't do that right now. So yeah. um it's a little different. But hopefully hopefully we'll get back to some kind of normal, whatever that will be, and and we'll be able to get back there again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, on a different meter, the risk meter, same scale one to five, one being low, five being the high number. Where are you on taking risks?
1: Wow, I would say I'm probably at that five about taking certain risks. And it really depends on what we're talking about. Like, I'm not a big risk taker personally. Like, I don't ski here in Colorado. I have an issue with heights and getting up on a lift and that kind of stuff. (laughs) But uh, in my business, I'm a little bit of a risk taker now because I feel like it's something I have to do in order to separate myself from all the other bookkeepers out there. And there's a lot of them. So.
0: Okay. So yeah, well, I would say a lot of people kind of qualify that. Some are adrenaline junkies and they love to skydive and do all these things. But then in their business, they're like, no, it's all calculated and thought out and planned out and Others are, oh, I'm a big risk taker in all aspects of my life. So yeah, it's always interesting to to find out where people sit there and then and then hear their story and how that plays out.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I I, I don't see any good reason to jump out of a good plane. So.
0: <laughs> all righty. Well, let's talk a little bit about what it's like to be the chief number cruncher at your firm, and then we'll get into how did I get here?
1: Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I... I mean, that that title, Chief Number Cruncher, that, that came about really in a very funny way. I was developing my business and developing my brand and my logo. And when the person that was developing it all sent me a mock-up of what a business card might look at, under the title, she just put Chief Number Cruncher, never intending for me to use that, okay? Uh, that was not the intention. She just did it so that... She, I could see what a title would look like and it stuck. I've kept it. (laughs) I moved it. Um, and it's, it's been a great thing and it kind of separates me a little bit from the rest of it. I love what I do. I love, I love working with my clients. I love helping them understand what their numbers mean and how they can use them in their business on a daily basis. But more than anything else, I love connecting people. Uh, whether it's connecting my clients to new customers, connecting people that I've met to my clients, or just connecting people that I've met in different places, kind of like what what the person that connected us did. That's mm-hmm. really what I like to do. Um, you know, I try and meet people and figure out where the need is and fill the need for different people. And that's what I love most about what I do and getting out and networking and and business developing is getting that opportunity to meet so many different people.
0: So you're an extrovert and a people person in a numbers business. <laughs> is that safe to say?
1: <laughs> yeah. And and uh, you probably would not be the first person who thought it or said it. But I've been told a lot that I'm not your
0: typical accountant. Yeah. you. Well, you have a personality. Just your title. I loved your title uh, when you yeah. said Chief Number Cruncher. So. Okay, well, Philip, then let's talk about how did I get here. uh let's kind of oh, wow. go way back to a young man. Is this what you wanted to be when you grew up? I mean, when you were in junior high, were you thinking, hmm, I want to be the chief number
1: cruncher? Ah uh, no <laughs> uh, no, actually, um, as I said, I'm a big sports fan, and at that time in junior high school and high school, uh, i want I want I, I love baseball. I want to be a baseball player. um. Uh, I love sports. Uh, The problem that I had with that is I hated to practice and I was kind of lazy. And uh, (laughs) and so, (laughs) right, right. And, you know, I was just an average player uh, at that time. So that writing kind of was on the wall as I got into high school and, you know, I couldn't make the high school baseball team. So um, at that point, I really, what I really, at that point, because I still love sports. I really thought, well, maybe I'll become a sports broadcaster. Um, and so growing up in Los Angeles at that time, um, if you know anything about Los Angeles sports, you had Vince Scully that was doing the Dodgers, a uh, very well-known baseball announcer, Chick Hearn that was doing the Lakers, another super well-known announcer. And then not so well-known was the gentleman that did the Kings broadcast was Bob Miller. And so I grew up with these amazing broadcasters and I thought, I want to do that. Uh, But uh, again, I was not a great great student. I learned a little bit differently than most and I kind of struggled a little bit in school. So when I got to the point where I was going to graduate high school, I thought, I don't really want to go to college. Um, (laughs) There was nothing about college that excited me. And fortunately for me, Um, when I was a senior in high school, my mom had started a business about a year before that. And she had started her own bookkeeping and accounting business in California. And she had come to me, um, during my senior year and I was working at fast food places and, you know, it was a job. It was a way to make money. And, get gas money for my car and pay for my insurance and things like that. My mom said, look, I have this business. Why don't you come work for me? You don't have to do this fast food thing. You can work for me part-time while you're finishing high school and then, you know, go to college or whatever. And that's how it started. That's how I got where I am today. Um, I went to work from her for her and she taught me everything that I wanted to learn. So if I, if i was doing just data entry um and i got really good at it you know i would say well what else can i do and so as time went on she taught me everything that i use today in my in my business today and she taught me so much not just in business but in life in general and how to treat people and you know what type of person i wanted to be as i grew up um and so
0: so did you uh, start seeing her in a different light as a Now she's your boss versus just your mom in terms of leadership and, and professionalism and all of that.
1: Well, I had a really hard time separating mom and boss.
0: Yeah, I can admit that's hard. That's hard.
1: Uh, And, you know, I think we don't always appreciate some of that until we're like way down the line. (laughs) Um, And so, but I, but I did respect what, what her knowledge was and and how good she was at it. And I got an opportunity to see how she interacted with her clients and the relationships that she built with those clients, Mm -hmm. clients that she still has today. Wow. 40 some odd years, 40 some odd years later. Um, So, um, so yeah. So uh, although there were times we didn't get along um, because I didn't want to work that hard sometimes, Back to that, uh, but, I,
0: to I just didn't want to work hard.
1: <laughs> right. But, but, um,
0: you were
1: saying she's a great teacher. Um, and she still is a great teacher. There are still things that I will call her about today and ask her questions. And maybe it's that I, I already may know the answer, but I just want to be sure. Right. And so yeah. she helps me be sure. Yeah,
0: I could see that. So did um, what is she a CPA? Did she go to college and, and get a degree in accounting or bookkeeping or?
1: She's not a CPA. I, I I think she did some college, but when I was younger, when I was a kid, she worked for a company that was a, a financial management company that managed people's assets, money, and things like that. And that's where she learned her, and she was by the time I was old enough to understand, she was the actual operations officer of this company. So she kind of oversaw all the operations as far as mm-hmm. check writing, mm-hmm. being paid, and, and things like that. And so my very first real job was working at that company under her. And then when she decided to go into business for herself and start a bookkeeping business, you know, I went to work for her again. So.
0: Oh, okay. So a couple different opportunities from mom.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Your, so your high school, you're into your twenties. How, how long did you work for her then before you started your business? I'm guessing. So I, more worked store. For
1: her, I worked for her for about 10 years. Right. So I was about 28 years old. And of course at 28, you know, I thought I knew it all. Right. I thought oh, yeah. I can do this. I can do this. I can go do this for myself. And, and, you know, her and I, cause I was, always, I was always looking for the easy way to get it done. Right. I want to, I want to find the easy way to get it done. Right. Or take a shortcut or, um, and you know, what I found is there's no easy ways and no shortcuts in the work that, that I do. Um, and so, you know, at that time, um you know we were using a dos based accounting software quickbooks was just kind of starting um and so some things were changing uh you know uh microsoft was just kind of poking its head and doing some of the things that they were doing and so i made a decision that i was going to go what i was going to do is i was going to go work for one of our one of are my mom's business clients full time. And I was going to take my knowledge and my skill and go do that full time. And so I did that. um, And I did that because I felt I didn't want to, I wanted to do it my way. Uh Um, And so I did that for a while. Uh, I worked there for a while, but, but the, the, and, and while I was working there, I got married and the commute became, if you know anything about California, the commute became, ridiculous. And I think in in three years, I had a car where I put in three years, I put over 90,000 miles on a car in three years. Wow. Uh, Yeah, commuting. And so um, at that point, I decided, well, I need to find something a little bit closer to home. So I went and worked for another wasn't a client of my mom's totally different company that I actually got a job on my own. Um, And I worked there for a while. And then you know how business is. you people start to worry about money and are concerned and i'm thinking oh my gosh am i going to lose this job how i just got married how am i going to survive and i thought you know what if i have to worry about money i'm going to go into business for myself and that's where it started and so I, cre- I created a business in california called the bookmaster and that's where really my entrepreneurial journey started
0: ah so at that point in your life you weren't about hey let me go back and work with mom again. It was, let me start my own thing. So again, finding your right. way in the world. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. And so in order to get started, you know, I, I, I applied for some part-time bookkeeping jobs that I would find in the newspaper. I think it was in the newspaper. I don't remember. <laughs> um, we don't really have that anymore, but, um, I found, I found some, I found a part-time part-time position working for a CPA firm that wasn't too far from where I lived. And I found a part-time job working for a law firm, um, and so and then you know my mom would give me some work that I could help her with, you know, part-time as well. And so I was always doing; it seemed to be that I was always doing something to help my mom, some somehow, some way. Um, um, yeah. I, but I wasn't an employee; I was a contractor. It was a little different. Yeah.
0: well that, It seems super smart though that you went this contractor route, started your own business because. Like you said, if you're a full time employee at a company, you're at the risk of that company making decisions about maybe not needing you or how much they need you. But if you're a contractor, then you're feeling very important. They need some level of it, but maybe they didn't need full time. And if you can get multiple part times and be a contractor, then yeah, that's, then you're running your own business.
1: Yep. And that's, that's what I did. And that's how I started it. And that's, that's how it grew. And it really grew. And I, re- you know, it grew pretty well. Um, and by that time I was, I had been married a while and my very, my, my, my oldest daughter was born, uh, in, uh, uh, 1994. Um, so I have to always remember that. So in 1994, and so, uh, you know, it was great because I had a little bit of freedom that I could, you know, spend some time with her and, and do some different things. And so, we, we moved. We, we were living at that time in Westlake Village, California, which is kind of Ventura County, a little bit of outside of Los Angeles. And um, yeah, I was doing it. You know, I was living the, the entrepreneur dream, you know, had, had my own business, was working in an office out of my home. Um, yeah, I was doing it. Very cool
0: did you ever think you know maybe i should go to college and get a business degree or a cpa or did you ever feel like maybe you you needed a degree um
1: you know when i was running my own business and i was able to get clients there was never a question about a degree it was more of hey can you get this work done for me this is what i really need and if if i could get it done um they never asked me about a degree or an accounting degree uh, and and of course, I developed a lot of relationships with some CPAs in California. And so if I was referred to them by a CPA, there was never, ever even a question. Um, uh-huh. you know, okay. they, they, trusted, they trusted their CPA. And so I was able to walk in there with already a little bit of credentials because I'm being referred by a CPA. So never seemed to be an issue. I, I, obviously now in the world that we live in, everybody looks at college as being a real important thing and it is no doubt. And um, could I make more money per hour if I had a college degree? Absolutely. But because now I have 38 years experience, I think that speaks a lot to me being able to still go out and get fine clients and, and people wanting to work with me because of that experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so you had the relationships with the CPAs that got you in the door. You had the mindset of, I'll just be a contractor. But I think another thing that's important is you didn't have, you know, sometimes we get in that employee mindset of, um, I'm an employee, therefore, you know, I perform this. And then the company, you know, I have a job here. But more and more, those jobs don't last. But so a contractor mindset is more, I've got to perform just this function or this project to get this work done. It's not about being full time for you. It's really about the end result and the and the end goal. So, and just getting as many part time jobs as you can handle.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. And I was I got to a point when I was in California where I couldn't handle any more than I was already doing, um, and uh, I was very always cautious about hiring an employer or whatever. I really didn't really didn't want to do that. I was going to try and do everything I could myself. Uh, I've learned from that because um, that's not how you grow a business. <laughs> it's yeah. how you burn out really, really fast. <laughs> um, and so, um, you know, for people for people listening that 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 are thinking about starting a business or are or really or are or, or already doing it, um, I think what you have to think about is is there's only 24 hours in a day. So how do you maximize your hours? Well, the way that you maximize your hours is you can only work so much, but if you hire other people, now you're maximizing more time. And therefore, you, you can do more. If you've got somebody that's doing eight hours a day, you're doing eight hours a day. Maybe you've got another person doing eight hours a day. So now you're doing that 24 hours, and you've got other people doing it. And so if I learned anything in my long time of doing this, I've learned that, that you can't do it by yourself
0: yeah so when you brought on other people then did you bring them on as contractors then versus employees
1: or are there there some legal i i well i didn't bring anybody on in california but when i moved to colorado and i restarted a business here in colorado i did bring on someone and i think i brought her on as a contractor um but uh you can do it either way i mean right now I, in what I'm doing now, I have a business partner and we work together and then we have team members and they're contractors. Um, and I like that idea of a contractor being a team member. It gives them the ability, if they want to go get some of their own work, they can do that. And then they can help me as well, you know, because maybe I don't have a full 40 hours in a week. Maybe I've only got 20 hours. Okay. Well, you know, that's great. And And I want you to go out and build up your own base too. And, You know if we can help you do that that's wonderful so
0: yeah yeah because i know from an unemployment and benefits and all of that there's always that trickiness about should that person be a full-time employee and eligible for those things or but if they have other clients um if it's part-time then yeah i i get how that works and it sounds you know the nature of your business is probably more project oriented right or peaks and valleys you probably have you know month-end um, quarter end year end that kind of a
1: thing that yeah. that uh, And when you're taking when you're taking on a new client there may be some cleanup work that needs to be done or things oh, like that yeah. where it could be a long project, but it's you know if you got somebody that can work on it all the time then it'll get done faster and it gives them some some work and some time and then it gets done and you then you you know you kind of move on so i find I find that when I'm out and working with people, we seem to get projects. We seem to find clients that are a little messy and um, we need to get it cleaned up. So it works great to have a team that you can rely on to be able to help you do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm guessing it's a different skill set for the cleanup than there is for the day to day, just the regular maintenance of it.
1: Yes, so you need for have- sure. Different. For sure.
0: So what, um, Was there some sort of pivotal event that caused you to move to Colorado?
1: So at the time I, you know, I had been married a few years. Um, My oldest daughter was about two or three years old. Um, You know, the traffic in California was getting horrific and I was spending a lot of time driving in my car, running my business, driving all over the place to go see clients and uh, at the time, my mother-in-law lived in Fort Collins. And so we would come and we would visit. And I don't know. I don't know what it is about me, but I always had this. I love this small town feel. Uh, 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 and Fort Collins was that small town, college town feel. And I really fell in love with it. And I thought, you know, I could see myself moving here, growing up or raising my daughter, being able to come here. And, and my intention was just to get a job and to be a dad, um, and spend time with her and and raising her. And, uh, my, my wife at the time, her mom lived here. Her aunt was here. Most of her family was here except for her brother. So it just made sense. And, uh, you know, I was always a little bit more adventurous than my sisters. Um, and so I said, you know what, let's do it. Let's move to Colorado. Um, i had never lived anywhere where there were different seasons and snow and all of that. So
0: you're ready to experience it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was ready. I was ready. So we moved to Colorado, you know, and the intention was to live in Fort Collins. That didn't happen. We ended up moving into Littleton and, uh, doing all those, you know, doing that. And, and, um, and it was great. I mean, I had a I had a really a good job that I enjoyed and did all that. And, But again, it just got to the point where um, some of the things that I was doing uh, at the time, I was working for a law firm down in Cherry Creek that did immigration law and 9-11 happened. And it changed the immigration law reality when that all happened and a lot changed where I was working. And so I decided uh, again that it wasn't a, it wasn't a fun place to work and i wanted to work somewhere where i enjoyed what i was doing and so i decided well i guess it's time to go back and become another an entrepreneur again and um and i started um i restarted my business here in colorado under the Bookmaster, and ran that for a very long time and and then i I went through a divorce and it was really hard to go through divorce and run my business. So I stepped away from it again and worked in, 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 uh, the corporate sector. But for my whole career, my whole life, I've done nothing but accounting. So I'm starting my 38th, 39th year of working in the accounting field, um, oh, wherever I've gone you,
0: when you, whether you were in the law firm, um, or anytime you say you got a job then it was an accounting job, but it was as an employee versus as a contractor right. or an entrepreneur. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right.
1: And so, so while I was going through my divorce and dealing with all that, I just, I, I worked for an employer and it, that's what I did. Uh, the further I got away from the divorce and things again, I realized that the best way that I, because more than anything, Kathy, I love being a dad more than and I mean, I love what I do for work. I love what I do for my clients and networking, but more than anything, what inspires me on a daily basis are my two daughters that are now 18 and 26. So, so you, you
0: work to live, you don't live to work.
1: <laughs> correct. And so when the, when the divorce was kind of final and done and, and you know, there was one blip on the radar when when, when I took a job working for a client of mine who did um cell phone sales he was a b2b cell phone sale guy i had been a customer of his forever i really loved what he did and i thought you know what i'm gonna try something new totally different and so for about 90 to 120 days i gave it a shot um
0: this is the risk taker number five at the five level yeah kicking in yeah
1: and i gave it a Because I really believed in what he did, and unfortunately, sometimes whether you believe in it or not, it doesn't always translate into sales. Ah. Um, and so, um, there's a very funny story with that. I went to him and said, "Hey, this is not working. I'm going to go back into business for myself." And I'm and that's when I started by the numbers, just about eight or nine years ago. And so, his comment to me was. And and I think he was frustrated because I was leaving, and I get that. Um, but his comment to me is, you realize bookkeepers are a dime a dozen. And so I laughed, and I chuckled, and I kind of blew it off. And I don't know, maybe a few months later, he had a problem with his QuickBooks and getting payroll done. And I said, no problem. I'll stop by the office, and I'll, I'll take care of it for you. So I went into his office. He wasn't there. And within five minutes, I had it fixed. Right? Uh-huh. Fixed the problem, got the payroll run. I called him up. He said, fixed it. No problem. He said, well, what did you do? And my response to his, well, I'm not a dime a dozen.
0: Oh, he said,
1: and he said, touche, touche. And, and, and he and I are still very close friends. I've been doing this books for years and for, and and now I've basically realized I'm in, I'm in the place where I need to be this is where I should be. This is where I can do the most good um, my bookkeeping business. Now uh, I, I've been able to be on a board of a nonprofit for three years and really see how that works. Um, and that was, and I still am involved with that nonprofit today and volunteering. Um, I met, I met two of the most wonderful people that I've ever met in business. Um, They had a local radio show here called the Experience Pros Radio Show. Um, It's no longer on the air, but they were a positive business talk radio show. It was all about positive and how to be positive in business and how to do things. And I learned learned the most from them. And if anybody has molded me into what I am today, it would be his name is Eric Raymer. Her name is Angel Tussey. Um, and they both kind of have moved on to different careers, but I still stay in touch with them. I talk to them all the time. I still bounce ideas off of them. Um, and they really taught me how to run a business, right?
0: Ah, so you, you picked up some um, different, different ideas, different methodologies and such than than you had been before as an entrepreneur.
1: Because before, as an entrepreneur, I was that person that we talked about. That was me first, right? Mm-hmm. What can you do for me? Okay, and that, that was never very a success. That was not a very successful way for me to run my business. I, I mean, I got clients, but it was much harder. Um, and then when I met with them, and, and we talked, and I would watch them, and I would listen to their show, and I, I kind of changed it and said, okay i need to say to people when i meet them how can i help you what can i do to help you and i needed to do that first and the more and more that i did that the more and more that i introduced people to each other the more and more business i got um and my business grew all by itself because people would remember me right i I would introduce them to someone that would create business for them both and then someone would ask them do you know a great bookkeeper and I was always on top of everybody's mind, right? Because they always remembered I was the guy that helped them before I asked for anything. And so I think if, if you're out there today and you're, and you're thinking about starting a business and you're, you're a young person, I think the biggest advice that I could give you is make sure you're helping people first before you ask for yourself.
0: Ah, well, that's great words of wisdom. Thank you for for sharing that because that is something that I think when you own your business, there's such pressure, right? On am I doing enough? Um, am I getting the sales? Sometimes sales just come. Other times you work so hard and they don't come, and you're just you know you're, there's you're just perplexed. And so so your philosophy is now that you're you're giving first and you're connecting people and you're just out there. Yep. So I uh, want to go back to a comment you made about. Um, I'm where I need to be. And that reminded me that, um, you know, I when I've been in my career, I, there's times I was chasing certain roles. You know, I am, Oh, I it's, you know, I want to get that next promotion or what else would I want to be doing? Um, and it, it's, it is a hard time to recognize. I think that I'm where I need to be. And maybe that's an, an age thing. Maybe that's an experience thing, but, Talk a little bit more about that. What was going on for you? Because you it sounds like you've kind of, you've popped out of owning your business, then you come back and then you pop out and you come back. I mean, is part of that, was it part of that driving you that you didn't feel like you were in it where you needed to be? You felt scratchy and restless?
1: Yes. Restless is a great word for it. Um, you know, when you work for someone else, you always have to kind of do it the way they do it um, or the way that they want you to do it. And I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm not saying that at all. But But I always felt there was a certain way that I wanted to do something. And when you're working for someone else, you can't always do it that way. So I always felt like I wasn't really being true to myself and how I wanted to do it. And so when you've done it enough, and you've gone and you've worked for other people, and you've done that enough, and you realize that, and then you start doing it for yourself, and you start seeing the people that then come into your life when you're doing it the way you want to do it. i uh, I just realized that I was where I wanted to be. I mean, um I was I had just started back in my business last summer. Um, i had I had met an organization uh, here in Colorado called Achieve that works with the Health and Wellness Community. I got to meet some people there. I went to some training in December. And through that training, I met a gentleman whose wife did the same thing that I do, but she hasn't been doing it as long. And she had some aspirations of doing some different things. And so he connected me with her. And originally, I couldn't understand what was the connection. Um, And today, she's my business partner. She's helped me develop a lot of different things that I would have not done in the past because that's not my strength. I think some of the things I've learned in the years is that it's okay not to be great at everything. You Mm -hmm. don't have to be great at everything.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Pick things that you're really good at and then things that you're not, go find somebody else that's really good at it. And that's what I've found with my business partner. So that's why I believe I'm where I should be now. Uh, I get to help her learn more about bookkeeping and accounting. She teaches me how to set up different check checklists and things like that, that I'm not always good at. And so we work really well together and it's been phenomenal. Um, and so that's why I really feel like I am where I need to be now.
0: Well, and it all started with an introduction that you're like, why do I, what's the, what's the, but it sounds like that was also your mindset of, well, but I do meet with people when people ask me to meet with them, um, and see where that leads and look where it led.
1: Exactly. It was curiosity. Uh, really, it was more curiosity, I think, than anything. I was just curious. Um, and and what I found out later is that when uh, her husband talked to her about me, it was like she said to him, I want his information. I need to meet with him immediately. So she immediately heard something in his description that she knew she needed to talk to me so there you go
0: oh okay so um, I really enjoyed getting to know you and hearing your story this has been uh, really interesting I like that it's a story about a lot of starting over um, but in but in a way you start you always seem to start from a place maybe of you know great experience because you just continue to build that experience so it's not starting over maybe totally from scratch maybe in a different state, which could be from scratch then with no clients. But um, talk about, if you would, as kind of a wrap up, what characteristics or what things do you think served you well over the years? This is something that maybe someone who's stuck or in transition, you know, so think about them. What served you over the years that you think would be good uh, words of wisdom?
1: The only thing that comes to my mind really is if you're stuck or if you're not sure what you want to do, or if you decide that being an entrepreneur is what you want to do, always, always find out what you can do for others first before what you can do for yourself. I mean, it that just sticks with me more than anything else in my career, because when I did those things, it made the biggest difference. Um, And any time that I went to work for someone else, I couldn't always do that. And so it was frustrating. Um, And so if, if you can do for others as you're out there trying to grow your business, that's the best advice that I could give. If you're stuck, maybe you're not sure what you want to do, go volunteer, go meet people. Volunteering is a, by far the best way to meet people go find something you're passionate about that you would love to volunteer for go do that go meet people talk to different people see what they're doing maybe they're stuck or or maybe they're doing something that might interest you I just feel like the more you can get out there and the more you can talk to people and help people the more you're going to figure out how to get unstuck
0: wow well that's awesome I love how you there's kind of two elements to that one was as your business and as this kind of connector in the community how can you help but it started in a way also through volunteering that volunteering can be a great way to just meet new people solve problems for whatever you're volunteering for but then who knows where that's going to lead so you really both of them are putting yourself out there so
1: right exactly and and my i loved my volunteering i loved being on the board and i loved volunteering and it it it, It it was some, you know, because I got to include my, both my kids in it when we would, when I would volunteer at the big event every year, my younger daughter did, did it with me four or five times. My older daughter did it a couple times. And it was just, it was amazing to see that us volunteering and how we were helping these people. It was just, it was amazing. I can't even express how amazing it was. (laughs)
0: Well, as a human being, it feels good to serve in that way. Um, yeah. but it sounds like you're also taking it to that next level of how do you, as your business, how do you serve in a different way to, to help people out? So, well, Philip, thank you so much for sharing your story today and, um, your, your learnings over time. And, uh, I love that message. So I think that's a great way to end on an inspirational note about how can you serve others? How can you volunteer and give, and, uh, you never know where that's going to lead.
1: That's correct. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. And this was a
0: lot of fun. Well, thanks, man. You have a good rest of your day. And listeners, if you enjoyed today's interview, please subscribe below. Uh, You can find this interview on lifestorycurator.com and you can post questions there for me or for Philip. And um, you can also see some of the other interviews that are out there. And by subscribing, you get alerted to the interviews as they come come forward. So on that note, um, let's have a great day. Let's stay safe. Thank you.